Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, it's great to see you and it's great to see some new faces. My name is Kurt Jones. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, one of the shepherds. And uh, hey, I just came from Valley Church uh, over in Cupertino, kind of the mothership of uh, Neighborhood Bible Church. And uh, they're having a Vision Sunday uh, talking about, you know, what's, what's out ahead and what's God done. And it's really exciting. And uh, they're a week behind you guys, so they're still using the metaphor for the body. And uh, I was sharing with them about how a body grows and how when uh, my kids were young, they thought that uh, getting old meant getting taller, which when you're, you know, five, six, seven, it's true. So they thought the oldest person in the whole church was Ben Palm. <laughs> <laughs> They couldn't quite figure out how their 93-year-old grandmother was shorter than they were, but, you know, it, it all kind of worked out. So, uh, the metaphors of uh, the church are awesome. The, uh, the body, the flock, the army, um, all these different ones that God uses, the bride. And uh, of all the ones that I think about, the, the, the metaphor of the flock is probably, honestly, the least appealing of all of them. I mean, you know, the bride, I mean, that makes so much sense, right? Beautiful, dressed in white, this great party, this celebration, this incredible, you know, joining together of, of, uh, of two. I mean, that's, that's an awesome metaphor. I, I like the one of the army, too, you know, marching as to war, you know, we're going out, we're going to conquer the hill. I mean, that's a cool one, too. The body, I mean, obviously, that's a beautiful one. Jesus Christ, our head, we're each apart, we all work together. So when we come to the idea of a flock, of uh, being part of this group of church people where God calls us a flock, it's less appealing. Uh, have any of you ever been around sheep? Okay, uh, a few of you. Now, depending on who you talk to, uh, sheep are either really smart or they're really dumb, right? I always kind of got the impression that sheep weren't really the, you know, the, the, the sharpest tools in the shed. Uh, I always got the idea they were a little... But then, you know, you get on and, and you see, no, no, sheep are actually quite intelligent. I read something the other day. They, they know how to roll across those cattle guards in order to get across onto other things. Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, if that makes you smart, fine. I mean, the reality is that sheep, again, each metaphor teaches something different, right? Think about sheep. What is, what is characteristic about them, right? They need to be led. Sheep have no natural defensive systems, except for maybe their smell. Uh, and so sheep aren't naturally very... So they need to be protected. Open your Bibles to John chapter 10. Jesus uses this beautiful metaphor, uh, not only to describe uh, us, but to describe himself as well. And, uh, and I want to read the first uh, three verses for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd to the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus is giving us a, a picture of this, this organism, this body, this group of people called the, the ones who are his own. And as Dave and I were talking this last week, you know, kind of the, the recurring themes throughout all these metaphors, first of all, is identity. What do we see about identity? Well, the first thing, we kind of have to look between the lines. And, and here's the, the first point of identity. We're the sheep. <laughs> Sorry to give you the bad news, but we're the sheep. The book of Isaiah makes this clear. We are each like sheep ourselves. What else? Oh, we love to go astray. We each go our own way. We think what's right in our minds and we know it. Sitting in the pews around you, our people are stories of sheep that have gone astray but have been found and brought back. Ah, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? We're going to get to that in a minute. But we're each sheep. And we have this, this identity as one who is dependent one who is defenseless, one who must be fed, one who must be protected, one who must be cared for, one who must be led. That's our identity, gang. We're the sheep. Now, that's not a very exciting picture just on the surface until you see the other part of it. 
I want you to look, turn, keep your verse there in the first part, and then look over there in verse 7, where he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Who is Jesus? In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The most important thing about our identity is not actually even the fact that we're dependent, that we're defenseless, but that we have a great shepherd. Number one element of our identity is we're His. Look what it says. He calls us by name. John 10, verse 3. The door opens, the sheep hear His voice, and He calls His own sheep by name. He knows you. He knows your wanderings. He knows your fears. Ah, sheep can get afraid. If you want to understand. If they get afraid, they won't eat. They won't lie down. If there's any sense of danger, they will mill around and they will... But when we know who calls us and He knows us, there's security, there's comfort, there's encouragement, and there's feeding. Whatever else name we want to put out in front of this building. By the way, the church has nothing to do with the building. Amen? It's not about the place. This church could be burnt to the ground and the church would be fine. Right? It's about the people. It's the flock. It's the body. It's the bride. It's the army of God. That, that, that's who the church is. But whatever name we would decide to put out in front of there, the first thing is we're, we belong to Jesus. Well, that might be a name. We belong to Jesus. We thought long and hard about neighborhood Bible church. But we wanted to keep central to our identity. This is a group of Christ followers. In fact, even the word Christian now, is, I don't know, it's a little indistinct. We want to say radical disciples of Jesus. Followers that will go wherever the shepherd calls us. That, that's, that, that's the idea we want to get across. We're the sheep. And he's the shepherd. That's our identity. What else matters? Oh, we're in Branham Lane. We're, you know, San Jose. It's 21st century. It doesn't matter. Because Jesus never changed. You know what? The faces and the names will change. Valley Church is celebrating 50 years uh, in, in 2009. There's a couple of the original founders. Uh, I took a couple of them out to lunch a couple of weeks ago. Howard and Vivian. Uh, 50 years. The original founding people. I said, what was it like? They're like, well, we didn't really know what we were doing. We just felt like God was calling us to get out and do something. And we had some people around our living room. And we, we went into a, 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 a strip mall. And we set up there. And, and we had to send our kids across the street to the bowling alley for Sunday school. I mean, it's a great story. That's their identity. That's who they are. That's, but primarily, first and foremost, they follow Christ. Because the faces change. Fifty years from now, I doubt that most of us will still be going to church at Neighborhood Bible Church. Some of you are going to go out and plant new churches. Some of you are going to move away. Some of you are going to get, you know, transferred to heaven. So it's not going to be the same. But what never changes is Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd. Now, secondly, I want, you, I want you to look at our mission. And we find it right here in this verse, too. At the end of verse 3 says, He leads them out. Out of what? Out of the sheepfold. Out of the pen. Right? Look at that. Verse 4. And when He puts forth all His own, He goes before them, and the sheep follow them because they know His voice. Where is Jesus going? Where is He headed? What's down the road? I'll tell you this, it is not staying inside the sheepfold. Right? Oh, we're just a flock here. Oh, we're all warm and cuddly. We like each other. We're here and we're, you know, finding out about each other and we're singing praises and we're doing all this stuff. Is that God's intention for His church? Jesus said, I am sending you out as sheep Listen to this now. Here's where the metaphor breaks down. In the midst of wolves. Guess what that means? That's another name for lunch. <laughs> Sheep in the midst of wolves. That's the marching orders. The marching orders, the mission is not just to hang out here and be all, you know, you know, bah to one another. The mission is to get out there. Jesus said, he said, uh, Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14, what does a shepherd do? He leaves the 99 behind and goes for the lost one. And that's his heart. Don't you think it ought to be our heart? 
Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has not come, uh, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way, The church is only the church when it exists for others. That we are here on a mission, and that mission has to do with out there. We gather here on Sunday morning, we edify, we worship, we praise, we get taught, we get equipped, we get, you know, led. But then we scatter. And you guys are out in the highways and the byways. You're out among the wolves. And you can get all afraid about that and get all defensive and, you know, put your horn. Do sheep have horns? I guess some of them do. I don't know. Shows how much I know. You could circle, you know, huddle around and try to get all defensive. Or you could say, man, we got the chief shepherd in front of us. We're going to go where he's going. And he's got a long old staff. And so we don't need to fear. Um, Wednesday, my wife and I leave for India. And uh, this is the first time this has ever really happened to us. We've been various places in the world. God's really privileged us to see his work. But uh, on Christmas Eve this last year, uh, nine Christians were killed and attacked in the state of Orissa. And uh, I just was on the internet last night. On the 18th, 80 more were beaten severely by Hindu radicals. That's we didn't know this when we set this trip up, but that's where we're going. Graham Staines, a couple of years ago, a missionary there was burned alive with his two young sons in the state where we're going. And so I just got to tell you, my wife and I, for the first time, we're, we're a little concerned. And uh, we're going there with Christians who love God and who are excited about you know, what they're doing. But, you know, I'm just going to visit. I told my wife this the other day. I'm just going to visit. There are brothers and sisters that live there every day. Who so on New Year's Eve, a bunch of people went in and they uh, kidnapped Christians out of a Christian assembly that haven't been seen yet. I mean, we're talking yesterday and the day before this stuff happened. I'm not, you know, it wasn't 100 years ago. And what is it that keeps those sheep strong? It's that they know they have a shepherd. And regardless of what's done to the body, and regardless of what happens to them here on this earth, they know where the chief shepherd has led them. Uh, sorry. What's our mission? Our mission is to get out there and get right behind the shepherd. Where would Jesus be today if he were here? I, I, he'd probably worship with us on Sunday. I've heard he likes this music. But I think on Monday... Through Saturday, he'd be out in the highways and the byways and the bars and down on 2nd Street with the prostitutes, and that's where he'd be. So that's our mission. As we thought about 2008, we give God praise and glory for 2006 and 7. You know, this church was birthed. This morning I told Valley Church, I said, Valley, you have a 15-year-old, a 15-month-old toddler that was launched this last year and they're growing and they're doing strong and they're just they're they're seeing God do neat things in their midst. Just a sense of, of joy of, of what God has done here. And two thousand seven was a year for us to, to, to get going. Dave and I were looking at our kind of our vision for two thousand seven. It was to have worship services. Yeah, those are happening. To have Sunday school classes. I mean to to not have Sunday school classes and to have community groups. And, and community groups are meeting. And to see, thanks. Appreciate that. And to see uh, a community outreach happening. We had the Aborn House this last year, and, and many of you have been involved. We had a trip to Mexico, and, and those are neat things that God did this last year. But as we think about 2008 and beyond, what is it that God wants? Well, we've kind of laid it out like this one is that we want to establish the impact of this church. We have a mission statement that says we're here to make disciples. Everything else is irrelevant. We want to grow people up. We want to see people come into the family of God for the first time. We want to see them get equipped and learn how to share their faith and use their spiritual gifts, whatever it is, and to experience the joy of being that. But then to see that impact out in the world around us. Whether it's locally, whether it's seeing uh, outreach onto the John Muir campus, and whether it's seeing outreach into our neighborhoods, whether it's globally, going to Mexico again. We got a group that are that are praying about China in April. I mean, some really neat things that are starting up. 
But we want to establish that, that, that impact. God, how are you going to use this little flock to impact the flock that's out there? At the end of this passage in John 10, Jesus says, well, I have other flocks that you don't know about. Well, how can we encourage and equip and enable and do all that? That's our mission. This next year, we, we have a vision to see that established. To have clear marching orders and focus and some of those kinds of things. We were just getting born last year and we're, and we're ready to move out. The second thing we're going to do is to establish our leadership. This has been an exciting venture for many of you. Some of you are brand new and you said, Valley Church, what's that? Family Bible Church, who's that? It's not even part of your story. But the story of the way God brought these two churches together in, in gosh, Dave, what was it, June of 06? Where we first started making these contacts and then to see God draw these two together and, and then establish our own identity and then to bring new people here. And the fact that, you know, Valley Church is, has been helping us and helping us get established, but then to say, in this next year, we believe God wants us to stand up and walk on our own. Leadership from this body. Under shepherds right here in this group. And it's been exciting to talk to some of you and, and hear your heart for ministry and to see you guys putting new gifts into, into place to, to take steps of faith that some of you have never even done before. You know, I think you guys have just stopped saying to Dave, Dave, I can't do that. I've never done it. Because <laughs> Dave says, so what? Neither of the rest of us. You know, welcome to the club. It's been a journey of faith. And so we've been talking to some of you about the possibility of coming on as, as elders. And we have a couple of men right now that are praying and just walking through and, and seeking the Lord's face of, to establish a group of guys that will pray and guide and lead and under the, under, under the, the master shepherd um, Jesus to be under shepherds. You know, we're all part of the flock. I think I'm a sheepdog. You know, I walk around and bark a lot and that kind of thing. But there are shepherds, right? And God has been working on Dave and Becky's heart and God has placed a, a passion and a, and, a, and a fire inside of them to be a part of what God is doing here. And in this past uh, three to four months, the elders at Valley Church have really sensed that calling as well and have given Dave and Becky the freedom to come and to serve here at Neighborhood Bible Church in a full-time capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And that's a big step for them. And, uh, and Dave's going to, I'm sure, share a little bit more about that uh, after I sit down. But, uh, but uh, I'm going to still be involved. You're not getting rid of me. I'm still going to come and preach and share. And I'm going to be working together with Dave and with these interim elders as they get called. But, uh, but 2008 is a year of establishing that and seeing God do that. And uh, exactly what it's going to look like. We don't have all the details laid out. But we are really excited that this church will be self-governing. And Carl's going to come in a couple minutes and tell you about the funds. But the vision from day one is this would be a self-governing, self-funding, and Lord willing, self-replicating church within two to five years. Here we are, 15 months. We're already talking. All those things are on track. So again, thank you for your faithfulness. Many of you sacrificed greatly this past, again, year. Exceeded our, our understanding of what the finances would look like. You've been generous. And God's been able to do new things and neat things because of that. Establishing our impact, establishing our leadership, and then uh, finally, just establishing our identity. We believe as God brings spirit-filled, gifted, passionate people together, what it is we're supposed to be about will become very evident. We'll be looking and saying, Lord, what's your vision? What's your passion? What do you want to see happen? This past year, God has... Again, just through your generosity, allowed us to dream about what would a staff look like. And, and uh, we have plans right now. Dave is talking to a couple of people uh, about hiring an intern that will come on and work with us part-time whose one of their focuses will be this mission field of young people that live right next door. We'll actually be able to fund someone to come and to spend time with those kids and and they can dedicate time and attention and prayer and, 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 and living and working among them. And that's an exciting development that's coming up. What is our identity? Where is God going to lead us? What's the next step for us with the property behind us that we have that is just 
you know, waiting, saying, Lord, you know, what do you want to do with that? So, our identity, we're sheep that follow the shepherd. Our mission is to follow him wherever he goes. And uh, it's been a joy to be a part of that. I'm going to continue to be a part of this with you and uh, an exciting journey as we follow the shepherd. Dave's going to come up and, uh, and follow on with, uh, with this idea. Kurt. You know, maybe before uh, Kurt has to actually head back out, um, Jim, I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you mind just standing up and praying for the Jones family? Most of us won't see Kurt before he leaves for India on Wednesday, um, just for the Lord's protection. And um, just as a reminder, too, for us, body, to be praying for the Joneses um, as, they, as they travel over there. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. <clears throat> well, we want to move on. I, I wanted to share just a couple of things about what's forbidden. Again, with each of these metaphors, and Scripture is really clear, there's a, there's a lot of do-nots, and a lot of people outside the church view religion, view the Christian faith as a list of do-nots. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, do not go here, and certainly do not go with those kinds of people. Um, and as, as those of us who have who've been welcomed into the flock, into the family of God, what we recognize is really there's a huge list of do's, right? <clears throat> do pull up a chair. Do eat as much as you want. Do feel safe and secure. Um, also, do go outside the sheep pen. Do go seek and save the lost. So what's forbidden for sheep? And what is forbidden for the flock of God? And uh, I just want to share two things. Uh, there's, there's several more from Scripture, but we don't have time this morning. But probably the first and foremost one is do not wander. Do not wander off. If you want to know what, a, what is forbidden for sheep in the flock of God, it's wandering. Um, Kurt brought this up already, but Isaiah 53, 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So that's, in, that's in, inclusive of every single one of us. And some of us can recognize clear times in our path where we say, yeah, that's been me. Uh, John 15, there's a, a passage where Jesus is comparing himself um, to the vine and that we're branches. And what he's saying there is he's saying, remain in me, abide in me, stay with me. And this picture of sheep wandering off, I, I, I kind of get this image. It's kind of like looking at your children. We have four kids. <clears throat> and if we go off to a place, there's oftentimes where we'll just sit them down, we'll look them in the eye. And we'll say, guys, we're going to be going to the mall today or whatever, and I need you to be right with me. Do you understand that? And they can tell by the tone of my voice, by the fact that I'm down, kind of looking at them right in the face, that this is important, right? And yet, do my kids always follow me perfectly at the mall? Why are you laughing? Because your kids don't, right? No, they don't. And, um, and we haven't yet resorted to the leash. Uh, have you seen this? Yeah. Um, that's, I'm, I'm waiting for the choker chain. That would be, ah, you know, a kid. 
But uh, we haven't done that yet. Um, I'm not judging you if you're a, a leash carrier of your child. Um, but, but my kids don't always do that. So even me telling, telling you and sharing with you the biblical thought, do not wander off, doesn't necessarily mean you won't ever wander again, does it? Because we're, we're like kids in that way. And so when, when a child wanders off, uh, then you have to re- reprove them and pull them back and say, man, we need you here. Um, why, why is this true? I mean, just the, the obvious easy answer. We've already brought up wolves, but you just look at this. We, we love this show, Planet Earth, and it's kind of this really cool documentary almost feel that's gone out. And you watch the way that animals hunt is they just get one, they get the whole herd running, and one just kind of strays off like this. And guess what? Easy pickings. All of a sudden, they're super easy to go and to, and to pick off. And so a scattered sheep, a wandering sheep, is easy pickings for the enemy. And that's why God calls us to be together, and that's why he says, remain with me, stay with me. Now, there's kind of two components to this. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts is the book that kind of chronicles the early church. And there's a lot for a young church to learn by looking at the book of Acts. And if you look at Acts 20, starting in verse 28, there's a component of this that there's instruction in Scripture to the shepherds. Now, Kurt alluded to the fact that we have a chief shepherd and um, we have a little bit of a bulb problem happening with our screen. So you're not going to be able to see this today. So that's okay. But before you leave today or in the coming weeks, this image over here to my right is a picture of a shepherd walking along with some sheep. This is, I believe, in Portugal. And, um, and I love this image because in this image is this, is this sheepdog. And the sheepdog, in essence, is, is the under-shepherd. They're both shepherds, right? But one is the chief shepherd. The one who's on two feet walking around, that's Jesus. He's our chief shepherd. And then the way God has chosen to, um, to organize the local church, local flocks of his kind of master flock, is to have under shepherds. So the shepherds aren't the ones that we're supposed to look to and lift up and raise up. They don't have the same perspective as the chief shepherd. And what's so cool about this picture is this. I view the elder board at Valley Church. I view the future elder board of Neighborhood Bible Church. In essence, we should call ourselves sheepdogs because we're under shepherds to the chief shepherd. And if you look at this picture at some point, watch it because the dog is looking right at the chief shepherd. The dog doesn't have a plan like I'm going to lead him over here because there's a sweet, you know, river. The dog is simply following the commands and the orders of the shepherd, of the chief shepherd. Do you get that picture? So now when Paul talks about the elders of the church, we don't elevate them and say, wow, they're the all-knowing ones that talk to God. The Bible blows that apart and says it's the priesthood of all believers. We can all talk to God through Jesus Christ. That wall has been shattered. However, as a, as a shepherd of the church... The shepherds, the elders, ought to keep their eyes focused on the chief shepherd, carrying out his orders, carrying out his instructions. And so that's what we pray for as an elder board here. And there's some instruction to the elders here in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Listen to this. This is Paul to the elders at Ephesus. And he was about to leave. This is kind of his farewell address. He's saying some important things to them. Keep watch over yourselves. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Here's Paul. He came and planted churches. And as he planted churches, read it in the scripture. He always seemed to plant with a plurality of leadership. He didn't anoint one guy as the chosen one who would lead things on. He he planted this plurality of leadership. And so here it is to the elders. And he's saying, shepherd, do this. I want you to turn in your Bibles now back to, to 1 Peter. Chapter 5, 
And in 1 Peter chapter 5, there's some more instruction right near the back before Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Still talking to shepherds. What's the instruction for shepherds, overseers, elders, whatever you want to call them? He says this. To the elders among you. And then in verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That's the sheepdog. It's instruction for the sheepdogs. Do these things. And then when the chief shepherd appears and you report back and he says, good boy. And as a sheepdog, you wag your tail and you go, yes, I've made the one who I was created to please happy. That's the picture of what an elder should be. I love this ping pong back and forth because we see this in our bosses. We see this in our own homes sometimes, not lording it over them, not eager for money, not doing it because you're on a power trip. He says it goes back and forth, but caring for them, eager to serve this kind of instruction. So that's to the elders. Go back to the mall for a second. Isn't there a, a, a burden of responsibility on you as parents to watch out for your kids at the mall? You don't just tell them, hey, stick with me. And then you cruise around. One of them gets snatched. And you tell the cop, I don't know. I told him. <laughs> I mean, you'd be like, you're a lousy parent. So there, there's, a, there's a parent element here, and that's what this instruction is for. Hey, shepherds, watch out for the flock. Keep an eye on it. There's also a, a component to the sheep, though. There's, there's a certain kid element. My 10-year-old ought to be able to stay with me better than my 3-year-old, right? I, I'm, I'm entrusting him more and more. I'm expecting more and more from him. So... 1 Peter 5.8, it goes on to this. He starts off talking to elders, but he goes on in verse 8. He's getting more and more general. In verse 8, he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. You know what another way of saying don't wander is? Stay together. Remain. Abide with each other. Do you think that unity is a pretty strong theme in the scriptures? Do you see now the importance of unity? When you look at unity from the, per, from, from the point of view of a flock, it takes on a different element, doesn't it? It's not just, oh, it'd be nice if we could get along. It's, it's imperative as sheep to stay together and to stay close to the chief, to, to the chief shepherd. It's not optional. Philippians 2, 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being, in, being one in spirit and purpose. Another version says being intent on one purpose. That's unity. That's staying together. It's another way of saying don't wander. That leads us to another forbidden thing, and that is quitting. I want you to turn just a couple of pages over to Revelation chapter 2. Remember, at the start of this, we decided as a church, we would learn from our older brothers and sisters. And these are churches that have gone before us. And Jesus is giving instruction to them. He's commending them about certain things, and he is correcting them about certain things. There's a certain cycle that happens with churches sometimes. A lot of churches start off with high ideals. There's kind of a flurry of activity and newness, and people are pumped up about something new. And then after a while, sometimes you can coast back into a status quo. Your ideals get lowered. And then after a while, sometimes people just kind of settle. They settle for just meeting. And they settle for just kind of complaining about the temperature or the music or, or the long-winded pastor or whatever they might be to complain about. And you forget about why we were here in the first place. And you see this cycle in churches over and over. You know, to stand outside the church... And to watch a church go through this, you can find a lot to criticize, can't you? You can look at a church and just go, man, they don't have their act together. They're doing this. They're doing that. Once you fully involve yourself, though, in being an active part of a local congregation, you realize how difficult it is to sustain the New Testament ideal of what a church is all about. 
I love this quote from someone. He said this, I have much more sympathy for the church's failures now that I am contributing to them. Always easier to stand outside and poke at a church. Say, man, you guys, it says right here in the scriptures you should be doing this, but you're not. But once you involve yourself, you just go, man, it's so hard. Um, Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 2. This is to the church at Ephesus. I just want to have you listen for this commendation of Jesus about churches that didn't quit. And how high of an ideal that is. And how imperative it is for us not to quit. Not to be following the chief shepherd and say, this is getting really hard. This is taking too long. It starts to sound like our cars in, you know, on the way to vacation. Are we there yet? I'm bored. This is hard. And the person driving the car knows, look, we're going to Disneyland. This will all be worth it. You can't possibly communicate that to a, to a three-year-old. That this is worth the drive. But hang in there. Revelation 2, 2, it says this, um, I know your deeds, your hard work, and catch this, your perseverance. This is Jesus commending the church at Ephesus. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. Check this out. You have persevered. You have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Do you see this drumbeat of you haven't quit? You've never quit. You've pressed on. You've endured. You've persevered. This is something to learn, folks, as a church. Let's not give up on this. Let's not be, yeah, we got some things going. Now it's getting tiring and hard. Let's press on. Jesus commends this. Look over at the verse uh, at at the uh, church at Smyrna, starting in verse 10, Revelation chapter 2. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful. What's the opposite of that? Being unfaithful. Quitting. Stopping. He says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. There's another element there, overcoming. The idea here being a forbidden element of being a sheep is quitting. I think that's my cell phone trying to receive a signal near my microphone. Sorry. <clears throat> Philip Yancey, in a, in a book that's called Church, Why Bother, says this. It is more blessed to give than to receive, but it is also more draining. Isn't that true? And you want to give up. That's because we're in a spiritual battle. Finally, expectations. What can we expect as sheep? What can we expect as we move forward as a church that's a flock? Don't turn there, but just listen. Luke 12, 29. He says this, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek the kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes, comes near and no moth destroys. You know what you can expect? Fear and worry. Kurt said this. Part of identity as sheep, it's teaching us something about ourselves. Don't panic if you feel fearful as a Christian. Don't feel Awkward or ostracized or all alone when your heart begins to pound, when God lays right in front of you an open door to share boldly about your faith in Christ. Fear and worry are a part of that. That's normal. That's why Jesus instructs us, do not be afraid, little flock. He knows that. If fear weren't part of the game, he wouldn't ever need to reassure us, would he? We reassure our kids. We reassure those we care about because we understand, wow, there's probably fear going on. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Our shepherd cares for us. Second thing you can expect is confusion. Think back to a shepherd. A shepherd has a vantage point that sheep don't have, right? 
I looked at all kinds of images this week, and one of them is this image where they're, all these sheep are coming up from, from somewhere down here. They're bending a road, and then they're heading up this way. And the shepherd is up here, and there's like this guard dog. There's a sheep dog right here at the bend in the road where all the sheep are making this, you know, kind of U-turn up this hill on a road. And I thought, man, that's a beautiful picture. It's like, hey, this is a key spot where sheep may not know where to go because there's multiple ways after you round this bend. I'm going to place a shepherd, an under-shepherd right there to make sure they know I'm on up ahead. Sheep have no idea of the perspective. Part of being a sheep is you're going to be confused. God, I don't understand your timing. God, this is hard. God, again, this is taking too long. God, I don't understand. Confusion is part of being a sheep and following the shepherd. Finally is this, care and leadership. One of the things you can expect moving forward as being a part of the flock of God is care and leadership. Second Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has given us, catch this, everything we need for life and godliness. Psalm 23 is familiar to you. I want to read this to you in New Living Translation. Think about this under the guise of, as a sheep, we can expect to be cared for. And we can, be, we can expect to be led. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't it great to be a sheep? Isn't it great to need to be cared for? Isn't it great to need to be led? It's no longer a place where you're being put down. It's really a place of lifted up. As Kurt said, we're his, and that's our chief identity. I want to ask Carl Jasper to, to come on up right now. And um, one of the roles, if you read through Scripture, one of the roles of elders at local churches is to handle money. There's a question in every church, who has the power? Who's going to make decisions about funds coming in? And um, one of the things that Carl has done with us at Valley Church and at Neighborhood Bible, starting last fall, we began putting together a budget process for Neighborhood Bible Church and looking at the 2008 budget. And one of the things that we wanted to say at the start, and any good budget should be, is that budget money is tied directly to vision. We're not just going to collect money and spend kind of willy-nilly. We're going to collect money and have it be focused as a, as a direction of where we're going to go. I've asked Carl to come and just give kind of the highlights of what we're looking at in 2008 and give you a little bit of a report financially on where uh, Neighborhood Bible Church is at. So come on up, Carl. All right, see if this works. Uh, good morning. My name is Carl Jasper. For those of you who don't know me, and uh, I have the good fortune of uh, doing the finances, at least being part of that finance team here at uh, Family Bible Church. Well, Neighborhood Bible Church. Now, it was Family Bible Church before, and Dave gave me a couple of minutes just to kind of go over our finances here. I don't have any of these great metaphors, though, um, you know, sheep, sheep dogs. But, you know, it, it was interesting. I want to be a sheep dog. You know, in our family, we have a German shepherd, very obedient dog. He's a great dog. You know, you tell him down, he's down. You tell him come, he comes. In fact, just a hand signal. That's down. And he has to, just like this, come. In fact, he's waiting for this, that command. Give me another command. Unfortunately, he's got a lot of bad habits. And uh, I won't go over all of them. He's got a very wet nose, though, probably the wettest nose of all. He likes touching you. Everywhere you go, I just think he's short-sighted. So, you know, when you come over our house, if you see a big German shepherd just barking the hell out of that front window at you, just know he's just trying to come out and wipe his nose on. It's all he's trying to do. <laughs> That's my finance metaphor. No connection to anything. One minute on history real quick. As uh, Kurt was saying, um, 2006, you know, we hooked up with Valley. We shut the doors and then reopened in November. And Valley, just so you know, put in about $175,000 of uh, improvements in this place. Uh, parking lot, you know, resealing. Uh, it was furnace stuff. You know, it was network computers, door lock. It was just a variety of things. You know, the fence in the back. Uh, a, a good investment. We reopened our doors in November. They gave us a budget for 2007. Said, hey, you're responsible for your own expenses. 
except for you don't have to pay for your pastor, your secretary, your maintenance people, or your missions. So they're going to cover about 150000 again in 2007. 2007 was a great year for giving. In fact, it was so great, Neighborhood Bible Church refunded the Valley $75,000. In fact, we wrote them a check for 50th at the end of November. That's how great giving was in this church, this body, for 2007. Really, with no preaching about finances, not much updates. It was just, you know, God working through people's hearts. So, actually, it was a great year. Um, for 2008, uh, as we said, we want to move to be a little more self-sufficient. We put a budget together. It's interesting. I do this for a living, so it's all second nature to me. But we put these budgets together. I can spreadsheet it out, you know, do all this detail. You stop and you look at it. What are we in business for? It's not the numbers at all. It has nothing to do with the numbers. What it has to do is what, what you want to go do in your community or the vision. So we say, okay, what is our vision? And that's really what I want to talk about. I want to talk briefly what the vision is. It's going to tie into what Kirk said and only touch on how the budget is, is impacted by that without any numbers. Um, again, we presented to Valley. They've already approved this. But, um, again, the three strategic goals that we showed them or at least presented to them was developing leadership this year. Also, it's just uh, honing our identity of this church and then establishing or developing more our outreach. And in the area of developing leadership, there's been men's Bible studies this past year. Um, obviously, there's some sermons now coming on in discipleship. Um, and as it relates to finances, uh, we're going to establish an elder, you know, trying to get our elder thing going this year. And also, this year in our budget, the staff is fully budgeted. So we are responsible this year for paying for the pastors and all that. So that now is in our 08 budget. Honing our identity. Uh, we start off these four things. Uh, I think it was worship, which is Dave and Rob um, have been involved in that. Children, Sharon and her team. Uh, you also had small group. I think Dennis has started that. There's several small groups out there. And then an outreach, you know, kind of community is really. And just so you know, there's actually a lot of community stuff that's going on. Um, the beautiful day, which was the Avorn House. I think Kel was one of the things to help um, drive that. There's a lot of people that participate in that. That's where you go help um, restore someone's house that's a blight on the community. And it's free. You're just you're donating labor and stuff. Uh, we did a John Muir cleanup. Uh, John Giordano and the youth went over here and painted clean gum off steps, paint and stuff um, over there. There's a building project, I think a Mexico trip, that they went down to an orphanage. Um, there's an Easter egg hunt that was local. There's a toy drive, the, drive the roses are involved in. Um, blood drive. Uh, people went to, uh, down to Katrina this year. Uh, I think there's a homeless project, uh, Love, Inc. project. So Rich Henderson is a member of our church. He runs Love, Inc., where we can all contribute our time, money, or you can do budget financing, help people move. There's a lot, and there's, I know there's more stuff out here. That's just a handful of stuff that we're doing as far as our identity. But 2008, we want to improve on that, um, on that somewhat. And again, our budget this year has money in it for those types of projects. In fact, we have extra money for things like um, Dumpster Day. It was, a, was you know, an idea that started, hey, let's put some dumpsters out here for the community, free to them. Some way to reach out to the community and to have some impact on them. Um, also, just um, from a expanding our community and outreach, um, two areas. Oh, no, before I go into that, as far as identity goes, we still have a lot of facility things here at, at uh, Neighborhood Bible Church. Um, we've got, um, I think, the things like um, redoing those offices over here. There's some carpet things, the baptistry. There's there's more facility things. And one thing like identity is a church sign. You know, we don't have a church sign out here, so that, that might be on this list that we're putting together where we're prioritizing with John Diordano and John McDill, the Valley's facility people. So we have a long list of things we would like to do this coming year. A lot of those are not budgeted, but it's something we may want to bring to the congregation. Maybe we do a fundraiser where we all start participating in these things, you know, start prioritizing those and, and maybe have a fundraiser. That's something we're thinking of this year. But for the 08 budget, we actually have a sinking fund. We're actually allocating monies that people give. We're allocating it to a sinking fund where we start paying for some of these things on a more long-term basis. In fact, we funded a little bit last year. We're going to keep funding it this year. So when a parking lot comes up, for 100 grand, we're not asking, yep, you know, where's that 100 grand check real quick? We're already planning and being responsible for those types of expenditures. From an outreach, expanding our outreach, you heard about the John Muir. Um, we actually budgeted an intern this year to hire, have them go next door, and start developing programs. So that's really a more proactive approach versus the five or six, seven, eight, ten years of saying we want to go do something with that school. Mm -hmm. so that's something we're going to proactively go do this year. And then also Love, Inc., I mentioned just briefly, we're actually going to have money we're actually going to help finance part of their operations. So we're going to be um, supporting them on a financial basis. They've been added to our list. And also on foreign missions, we've added back the Shattuck's, which um, the people that were here before knew who the Shattuck's were. They're in Slovakia. They used to go to our church. They have a house for youth, basically, where they're just training them to be disciples in Christ and reach their community. 
and the Irwins are the other ones. They used to be here at this church also. They are translators. They go to like South America, Mexico, and translate for tribes and stuff. So we're going to be supporting them on a financial basis as well. So that's also in our budget. So I know my time's up. So 2008 to me is very exciting. There's lots to do. And uh, I'd encourage you, and in fact, I invite you guys, those who aren't participating, to, uh, I threw some names out there, not to hit all the names, but just so people could hear, hey, I think I might want to go do that. I'm sure I'll get a list of people who want to do the finance stuff, so they can just come see me. Um, if not, that's fine. Um, but there's a lot of things to do here at 2008, so again, it should be very exciting, just like I thought 2007 was. Thanks, Carl. Let me go ahead and uh, uh, just invite the band up, and we're gonna we're gonna continue our service now, just um, with with looking toward communion and celebrating that together. And I kind of even thought that was neat. Um, God draws us to a pasture. You know, you think about sharing a meal together. This isn't much of a meal, and there's more to uh, to that metaphor. But it'll be neat that we're celebrating uh, the Lord's the Lord's Supper here um, this morning. Hopefully what you heard some, somewhat of, of what Carl just shared was a lot of celebration. There's a lot to be thankful for. And this is God's doing. God builds his church. And that's what's happening right here. And it's neat to look around and take notice of that and take stock of that. We're about to sing a song called Rest. And I want you just to listen to these words and think on these words. And as we've talked about these different metaphors, again, I I kind of view it like we're holding up this ideal. And and I read in the scriptures, I go, Lord, how come our churches don't look like this? I know there's this ideal out here. Next week, by the way, we're going to be talking about us, the church, as the bride of Christ. And what a powerful image that is. So if if there's this shiny, gleaming New Testament picture why is our often our experience lackluster and not quite that and i came across this short thing i just want to close by reading this to you because it captures i think a little bit of of what jesus would say to us the composer igor stravinsky once wrote a new piece that contained a difficult violin passage After several weeks of rehearsal, the solo violinist came to Stravinsky and said he could not play it. He had given it his best effort, but found the passage too difficult, even unplayable. Stravinsky replied, I understand that. What I am after is the sound of someone trying to play it. And perhaps something similar is what God has in mind for us as a church. Why bother if we can't attain perfection? Quite simply because... The chief shepherd beckons us on. What other option do we have, sheep, but to follow closely and to keep trying and to keep pressing on? Let's sing now and then uh, prepare for, for communion.